0: Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark.
1: And I'm Rochelle Moulton.
0: And today we're going to talk about social media.
1: Hmm, We haven't talked about this for a while.
0: Yeah, I don't think so. Well, funnily enough, I've been thinking about social media lately. So when you brought this topic up, I was very excited. Cool. Yeah, I know you said that you've been, uh, this is sort of the focus of your mastermind at the moment.
1: Yeah, it was the, the for this month that was our focus on how to leverage social media. And um and it's been really interesting because we got a lot of different questions and a lot of different approaches to social media and especially, you know, with the situation in the world right now, it seemed like an ideal time to talk about it.
0: That's cool because I have, you know, it's no coincidence, I've been having this similar thought process because, you know, I have like tons and tons of content and I mostly just slowly over time add new articles and podcast episodes and things like that to a scheduling program and kind of it just like blasts out to twitter and and linkedin kind of like a broadcast and and i shut it off about two or three weeks ago because it you know it was like it was weird like a a random Mm -hmm. tweet that i wrote three years ago would be like completely tone deaf in the current environment you know like um there was one about, you know, like going down to the store and it's like, <laughs> you know, well, no one can go to the, it's just totally Oops. off, yeah. off, uh, off, not off topic, but it just made no sense. And people were actually like, um, you're not supposed <laughs> to be going to the store. I'm like, I didn't just write it.
1: It's <laughs> so, the downside of technology or automation.
0: Right. So I shut, I shut that stuff all off and I've been, and, you know, uh, it's been a theme of the past couple of shows, been rethinking uh, how I want to do all that stuff. And I'm thinking about, you know, doing what all the social media experts say, which is, and, and I've done from time to time, where is just like, just be on social media and not use it as a broadcast platform. It does work mm-hmm. that way, but it, it can work that way. But, you know, using, like as Seth Godin says, it's not a broadcast, it's not a one-to-many medium, it's a one-to-one medium, social media. And just really engaging with people and thinking about, like, is Twitter really... The best place to be. Instagram seems pretty cool, but I haven't really used it that much. And so I've been thinking about all this stuff too. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious to curious to see what the masters are thinking.
1: Well, you know, maybe we should set the stage first. So here's kind of how I think of social media now, and we're what seven weeks in to captivity now. Um, So I feel like a couple of things are happening at the same time, and one is that. There are more eyeballs on social media right now because a lot of people have more time or they're spending the time that they used to have for something else on social media and they're engaging more, right? They're not just reading things, they're commenting, they're sharing. I feel like there's a lot more of that happening than there was. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But underlying that is really interesting. I feel like there's this anxiety spillover. Right, because there's anxiety, you know, different people have different levels. Some people are a little anxious, some people are a lot anxious, but it spills over into how they participate in social media, whether it's what they're writing or sharing, or whether it's how they react to something. So you've got that anxiety, and then there's this also, I don't know how you disconnect these two, there's a hypersensitivity now to things like you know your point about oh you can't go to the store right now so right. there's there's this feeling that people are really paying attention and they're hypersensitive both to the good and to any missteps that we make and then i think the last piece that i think is true now is it's sort of like there's this spidey sensibility i don't know if that's a word um where because we're kind of all looking around and you know our antenna are out that this is an ideal opportunity to really cement your ties with people that the people we watch now we're going to remember you know like i like a simple example is example for me is jimmy kimmel right. so you know, we tape the show, my husband watches it. He sh- he'll show me a clip here and there. I never really watch it. I've been watching it since he's been doing it from his house. Right. It's, it's fun and interesting. and It's not social media per se, but it's, it's a different way of looking at people who have already been out there. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, and I know we're very careful about saying words like opportunity and take advantage, but th- there's a situation that is out of our control but what's within our control is how we react to it and how we move in social media with the people who are in our circles.
0: Yeah, it's like now's the time to show up. And the, the question in my mind is like, where should I show up? Because in the past, I've just really just used Twitter. I used LinkedIn a little bit. But, you know, I, it's like, where 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 can I help? Where can I reach people who could stand to benefit from stuff that i whatever egotistically believe is going to help them and thinking more about you know all the platforms are different they all have a different personality and, and different social norms and it's difficult to do lots of them mm-hmm. well uh, without yeah. kind of just seeming like a bull in a china shop so it's like eh, i could kind of pick my battles And for the longest time, I'd just be on Twitter because that's a good place to be if you're a bulletin china shop. (laughs) But I don't know. It it just seems, but obviously not everyone's there. And there's a lot of people in other places that, I don't know. It just seems like a, for me, it's a time to rethink this stuff. And it's like, okay, how would I, how would I, how would I show up on Instagram for people? Because right now it's like pictures of the puppy and my kids and stuff. That drink you posted
1: the other day looked amazing, let me just say.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I can't cook, but I can mix a nice drink. (laughs) Um, So it's like, okay. So I I actually asked Erica about it because she's a master of uh, of, uh, Instagram. And I'm like, I mean, I don't, it's bad. Like I'm bad. She had to explain stories to me for like 15 minutes. (laughs) I'm like, wait a second. How does this work? (laughs) can you link to something? How did, like, where do these all come from? you mean they expire? They just disappear after? <laughs> and she's like, well, no, you could put it in your highlights. What's highlights? So I felt like super old man. Like I understand Snapchat better than Instagram anyway. So, so I was like, how could I, how could I show up here in a way that was not obnoxious? You know, like I didn't want to mm-hmm. show up to the party and be, you know it's like showing up thinking it's a costume party and it's not right <laughs> i don't want right. to be that guy
1: yeah your cow costume just wouldn't wouldn't play well
0: <laughs> yeah exactly so anyway um what's what advice have you given for i mean is that the kind of thing you're talking about the the conversations in your mastermind about that is it like what what can we do where should we go uh, platform wise what's appropriate what's not appropriate is it mostly about tone or is it about the the norms of the platform is the engagement that, you know, do you create engagement in different ways on the different platforms? What different platforms is everyone looking at? All those sorts of things.
1: (laughs) I was going to say yes, till you ask the last question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me, let me ask you this first. So you're also in YouTube. So do you, do you think of YouTube as social media or do you just sort of think of that as a place to put your videos?
0: It's weird, isn't it? Um, It's, I think of it most primarily is a place to put videos but it 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 does have a definite the way i used it had a definite social media aspect to it because i would engage with people in the comments Uh, i found the comments very useful um i found that i was able to help people in the comments people would ask me other questions that would turn into new videos but um but i'm not you know for me the youtube channel was an experiment and i'm sort of lukewarm on the results Mm -hmm. uh or it doesn't I don't know it was an experiment I haven't posted any videos there in a while I see it more as a place to just post videos honestly mm-hmm. um, but I'm not using it to its fullest I'm not using like uh, YouTube Live or whatever it's called uh, any of that stuff so you know no, I, I was, know I was just curious
1: question. well I was just curious because you hadn't mentioned it when you talked about, about the social so
0: it's, it doesn't seem primarily like a social platform to me
1: yeah. but There's well,
0: social aspects to it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it is for some people and for others it isn't. Like for me, I go there to watch videos, but I know people who really use it as a social platform and they comment, they interact the same way that you would on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. So it, I think it just depends on, on your audience. First of all, which is where are the people that you want most likely to congregate? Mm-hmm. And I think, the danger in that is that don't make assumptions. Right? Because I've had people tell me, "Oh, I hate Twitter. Twitter's awful. I'm not going there." And it turns out there people actually are there. So so Twitter is typically good if you're trying to reach media. And mm-hmm. when I say media, I'm including bloggers, like bloggers in your space. People like you and I, for example. Right. Um, you know, even though we don't think of ourselves as media, there's a little aspect of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want media, Twitter's a really good place to be. And then you have to see if your other audience is on there. So if your audience is um, CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, not really. I mean, if they're there, there's somebody fronting the account for them. But if your audience are CMOs of consumer product companies, guess what? They're on Twitter. Mm -hmm. You know, CMOs are there. Heads of HR are typically there because they're recruiting. So it depends on your specialty. If you're working with entrepreneurs They're on Twitter, right? So it's a question of where your people are. And I think with LinkedIn, um, it would be, I very seldom say this, but I think it would would be foolish not to have at least a profile on LinkedIn with a Mm -hmm. picture, right? Because a lot of people look there before they find your website. So that doesn't mean you have to use LinkedIn in great depth as a social media platform, but you at least want a presence there. And then I, I look at the other ones and, you know, the answer is it, it depends. I mean, Facebook, I mean, I, I personally am not really fond of Facebook. I, I have a Facebook page. I don't know, there's maybe 500 likes or something. I don't know, maybe less because I, I don't – everything is automated there. So I don't really participate mm-hmm. in Facebook. My stuff is there and I've actually – Seriously considering just stopping it because it just seems like kind of a waste of time My audience isn't engaging on this stuff in Facebook mm-hmm. um, But Instagram is really interesting to me right now And see so you, you and I have both kind of come at this from different directions But it's it's intriguing, isn't it?
0: Yeah I mean, it's to me it's always been like I never really adopted Instagram at first Because it was like this is just Twitter with pictures Like what's the big deal? <laughs> And it's morphed into something very different. Uh, But the engagement level on Instagram is incredible. Mm -hmm. And if that's where the people are, that, you know, if there are people there that would stand to benefit from listening to me flap my jaws, then I'm going to go flap my jaws there. It's like, it's like when I was, when I was a musician, there was, uh, it occurred to me early on that um, I could you know, this is before social media. And when you wanted to get people to come see you at a show, it was like a giant pain. You know, I'd have to print out all these postcards, physical postcards and stamp them and, you know, (laughs) and send them out, pay like hundreds of dollars to send them out to just try and get people to come out of their house and come to a show. And one day I was walking to a Kinko's to print out my, my, um, postcards during lunch in downtown Providence. And there were millions of people walking there's not millions but there was it was a packed at lunchtime and i'm like why don't i just play here <laughs> and so i did so like put my stupid postcards down and like open up my guitar case and just started playing right there and selling cd's and stuff and i was like huh that's interesting mhm so why not just go so it's always been a, a since then i've always been like just go where the people are don't try and get all the people to go somewhere else why make them come to you just go to them it's so much easier Yeah. So that's kind of my attitude about social media is it's like, there's the, there are these, you could call it, depends on the, on the, the room air quotes, but it could be, you know, it's a party or it's a conversation or it's something going on that a group of people are, are, you know, thinking about things, talking about things, sharing things. And it's like, you know, just sort of politely, just like you would at a party or, you know, sort of just kind of like listen and just, if you have something to contribute, contribute. But The idea of like trying to get them all to come somewhere else is like, Mm. I don't know, it just seems like easier to just go there.
1: Well, I think that the thing that is so interesting about Instagram is that it's, I think one of the reasons why you see people more engaged there is because it's all visual, Mm -hmm. right? And if if you click on an image, you're going to get the words behind it, you know, 25 hashtags plus you know a thought or two right and and there's actually a way to have more links than one um there's some subscriptions you can buy to do that so um but the key is i think if you're going to be on instagram is you have to be prepared to invest in the visual and when i say invest it doesn't have to cost money necessarily but it will cost time you know you've got to get good quality images and those are you know photographs you take yourself or their images you create with a program like canva and it has to look like it's thoughtful it has to look curated i mean it doesn't have to look like you're an art director but it does have to fit with um with what your audience is looking for and I've, i've seen a few examples of podcasts for example um podcasts that have an instagram account um now you don't have to do that anymore because there are ways to have multiple Links in Instagram, but before the only way to really do a podcast and have a specific link was to do it as a separate account. So you're starting to see more of that, and people start to to see it. The other thing I really noticed, and I I have to say, I don't know if this was true before you know the current situation because I just didn't look that deeply. But there's a few people I follow that are women that I follow that are in fashion and what's interesting is that they're posting they'll post a picture of you know sometimes themselves in this outfit or whatever and and then they'll pose a question and they might have a paragraph worth of explanation and then they ask a question and i thought oh they're not going to get anybody answering it because it was a deep question and in, in several in several senses and people did they answered and they engaged and i i found that fascinating So I would say, you know, I I don't consider myself an Instagram expert. I would just say, take a look, get on there, follow a bunch of accounts so you can see what people are doing. And that'll start to tell you if the people that you want to reach are there, number one. And then number two, yeah, if they're in the right frame of mind when they're there.
0: Right.
1: Right. Because it's a different you know, when I look at my Instagram feed, I want to see some beautiful things. So I have photographers that I follow. I have designers that I follow. I have organizers. Oh my God, I love the home organizer pictures, like (laughs) home organizer porn of all these beautifully organized things. So I, you know, as a user, I'm looking at that. And so if I'm uh, creating an account Mine's mostly personal right now. I haven't really stepped it up yet, but it's, um, if, if I'm doing the account, I want it to have some of that feel. I don't want it to look like the, you know, the, the, the stepchild.
0: <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's, so let's, let's actually go into a couple of global considerations here, which I'm kind of dancing around a little. Um, so I, I kind of lump that into that concern into it's very similar to setting the right tone, not being tone deaf. It's, you know, you've got the sort of uh, current events tone deaf, but there's also the like inappropriate for the platform kind of silliness where you just come in with a, you know, just like kind of half-assed job of the whole point of this platform. If you do, if you do a bad job with the photos, Or the visuals, it's like, what are you even doing here? (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's like showing up in a costume to a regular party. Yeah. So regardless of the platform, what do you think about? I mean, are those are those the things you think about in terms of setting tone? Like, um, you know, to me, because to me, the the core tone setting, uh, regardless of what platform you're on, whether it's YouTube or Instagram or TikTok, I am I know you're going to show up on TikTok soon, right? So um, oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's my next platform. <laughs> Carol
0: Baskin. Um, so the, the first thing I think is to join the conversation that's already going on in people's heads. So you don't like, you know, you see like three people having a conversation at a, at a you know, in a coffee shop around a table. You're not going to walk up and be like, hey, would you guys like to buy some insurance? <laughs> you know, just.
1: <laughs> I met that guy. You guys look
0: like people that could use insurance. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to, um, I don't know what the word for, if you're going to kind of like, um, uh, what is the word for that sort of organic joining of a group of people talking? You know that like when you're at a, uh, I always right. say cocktail party, but you know, barbecue or whatever, and just like you overhear something and you just like, oh, tell me more about that, you know?
1: Yeah. You insert yourself into the conversation. But yeah. But you it's try like to do organ- it naturally.
0: Naturally, yeah. right. It's like a, you like ooze your way in, as my mother would say. <laughs> So that, I mean, that is always true. Like it doesn't matter what the current events are. It's like, you don't want to be, you know, just barreling down on people and just interrupting their personal conversations. And Oh, by the way, when someone's sitting by their themselves, they're having a conversation in their head with themselves, just like if they had a friend there. So you, you always want to join the conversation that's going on. And You know, right now, it's pretty easy to know. Like one of the silver linings here is that you know what they're thinking about. You know what they're talking about. So if you're going to insert yourself into that conversation or become part of that conversation or ooze in, you want to talk about the things that people care about right now. And Right now, which is
1: always true. It's always true right now.
0: Yeah, it's always true. Like it's just that, you know, I sent an email the other day that said before the crisis, you solve problems for your clients during the crisis. You're going to solve problems for your clients. And after the crisis, you're going to be solving problems for your clients. The thing that changes the problems, the thing that is top of mind for them change. So if, but whatever, solve that problem, do something that's related to that. If you can, if you can't then shut up, but if you can then contribute, but don't think that you're going to be able to just like yank the needle off the record and be like, okay, let's talk about me now. Let's talk about my needs.
1: Well, or or there's something that I still see happening a lot, which is somewhere halfway between those two, which is I want to talk about my stuff. And it's not even that they're trying to sell a thing. They're trying to sell a point of view. So you'd have an article about something that is important. It's brand related, but people can't hear the message now. And then, you know, so some people are doing that and going, I don't, nobody's liking it. Nobody's engaging. And, and when I look at it, I say, well, because they can't hear it right now.
0: Yeah. It's
1: not that the content's bad. It's not that your audience isn't right. It's that you can't talk about this now. Nobody cares.
0: Nobody cares, right? Yeah, it's not a problem they have right now, as far as they're concerned.
1: Yeah, and so, and that's the that's the challenge, and it's it's not intentionally tone deaf. It's not that, that it's all about me, me, me. It's that it's just they just need to like turn it maybe you know forty five degrees and make it about empathy and putting yourself inside the heads of your clients right now. Which if you're emailing them and talking to them, you know, you know, and then adopting that tone out in social media. Yeah. Whatever that is. I mean, uh, there's a consultant I know who is crazy, crazy busy because of who her clients are right now. And it's not just like crazy busy. It's unimaginably insane what her clients are going through. Mm. So when she speaks to them, she's very clear about what she needs to say and how she needs to, you know, how she positions herself as a voice in that space and to dial down some of the anxiety and offer things that are helpful. And then you have others where, you know, their clients are really quiet right now. Maybe they're working from home and they never have before and they're not sure if they have a job to come back to in you know a few weeks or a few months or you know whatever the cycle is for this so it's it's really finding out that headspace of your people and adopting a tone that works with that that is still um, runs parallel to your brand
0: right, right? yeah
1: you're not suddenly changing who you are or how you communicate you're just changing the way the message is delivered
0: yeah it's framed differently it's like, yeah. here's why this matters now. And it might, it could be the same thing. Maybe the thing that you sold before is just as valuable or more valuable now, but you, you need to connect those dots. Mm-hmm. And the bottom line is, I mean, to me, the bottom line with any, any kind of communications, whether it's social media, email, whatever, is it's like, how can I help? Like, what's the next right thing to do? What do you, what do you need that I can help you with? You know, mm-hmm. it's like, what is the problem? If there's something I can do, I'm going to try and do it. So if you just think of it like that, a lot of this other stuff, I think, I think the tone stuff solves itself if you think of it like that way. If you, if you adopt a service posture and you recognize, you know, like, I'm here to help, you know, it's like, what do you need sort mm-hmm. of thing? Then a lot of this will kind of fix itself uh, or just like it just doesn't, it just automatically works. And, and then the, you know, just knowing where your people are, there's, I've certainly found that the difference between the demographics and the, and the topics and all the, you know, all sorts of things between, between Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube, which are the ones that I'm most familiar with are just dramatically different. Mm -hmm. And Instagram, I'm sure I'm going to find the same thing. It's just dramatically different.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you look at the stats, and again, it depends on who you attract, but there are gender differences in those, there are age differences, there are occupational differences.
0: Um, yeah, if you want 24-year-old males, YouTube's your spot. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, go for it.
0: Yeah, so, you know, anyway, the point is, like, if you have this sort of uh, empathetic mindset, you'll, you'll probably be fine in terms of tone, you just need to mm-hmm. find, the, find the thing. Have Through conversation with people, find the thing that they need and reframe whatever you have, whatever solutions that you have, uh, reframe it in terms that they care about right now. It's like not really rocket science. If you think about it like that, hopefully it makes it seems kind of obvious.
1: Well, let me just add to that, though. You said solutions. I agree with that. But what I would add to that is um, your content, which is... Probably not specifically about a solution, but about an aspect of your point of view and how you come to the solution. So it's, it's your content. It's mm-hmm. all those little breadcrumbs that you're dropping.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it is funny. I, as, as that word was coming out of my mouth, I was thinking the same thing. It's not quite the right word. But I do every single thing I post, certainly on my email list, I, I always think, what's in it for the reader? How am I going to not waste their time? You know, mm-hmm. like there needs to be a payoff. There needs to be a new point of view. It needs to be worth spending the one minute it takes to read these 250 words. So, yes, yeah, so the solution is not really the right word, but but still, it's like a, a positive interaction for them. They're like, ah, oh, I have customer satisfaction from investing that 60 seconds.
1: That, that should thing. that should be our goal. Oh, I just said should, didn't I? Um, <laughs> I hate when I say should. It's a great um,
0: goal. It's a great way to build an audience. It's a great way to help people. It's just like always give more than you take.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's um if you can have a conversation with someone and they walk away with an idea that they didn't have before, I, you know, I, I call that a win.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was trying to explain that to Cooper the other day. He's like, I was like, if when you share a like a candy bar, the other person has it. And now you don't. But if you share an idea, you both still have it. It's the best. It's like a miracle. <laughs> it's the coolest thing ever. So anyway, um let's move on to the next point that you had, you had brought up before the show, which is creating engagement in social media. What did you mean by that?
1: Yeah. So... It's a lot of ways people define engagement. Like a lot of marketing agencies will say, it's how many likes you get or retweets or uh, shares. Um, And, you know, that's a measure of engagement. But I think if you're, what you're really about is building an engaged audience. I think it's a little bit more one-to-one. It's a little bit more where you're having conversations with people that are in your circle. And circle to me means clients, buyers, Customers, if you have customers and allies, uh, as well as referral sources, although you know that those are kind of allies as well, I guess. But so you really just want those people to interact with you and your stuff on those platforms. And checking, you know, a like heart is great. There's, I mean, that's a good thing, but it's not as strong as someone who feels compelled to respond, right, right to make a, a statement. And I think the other thing, I guess we talked about this before the show, I don't know if we've talked about this yet, is, and I'm going to use Twitter as the example because it's the easiest one to think about, is that when you have a big platform like Twitter, especially if you're an introvert, it can feel a little bit overwhelming. I mean, there are, I don't know how many users, it's got to be more than a billion, right? So there are all (laughs) these people and fake people out there. So it's how do you find your people? and and part of that is about engagement it's when you start to see who's engaging with you like they retweet something or they comment or they uh they share your stuff um like on our podcast on twitter when people share an episode i mean that's really powerful that they share it to you know somebody new and 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 they comment on it in some way or some little gem that helped them you know that's what i'm talking about and so when you start to see that engagement, if you're just getting started, you're starting to populate your room on Twitter, right? And instead of having, you know, a gazillion people, you have two and then yeah. you have five right. and then you have 25. And, you know, and maybe you'll have a hundred thousand, but maybe you don't need a hundred thousand. Maybe you just need a few hundred of people who are really, I'm not talking about followers, but I'm talking about people who are interacting with your stuff and sharing your stuff within your your niche
0: yeah it's like uh it's like a little breakout room in a way yeah right yeah
1: it is and and on twitter again and you can do this in in other on other platforms in different ways but on twitter you can do it in two ways you can do it by creating your own which is what i was just mentioning where you kind of pull these people together you can also enter existing rooms Right. And those are um, they could be people in your space. They could be people in an adjacent space space who you really resonate with. And you start to see who interacts with them, who follows them. And you can you know kind of come into their room a little bit. And um, it, it takes some time to do that. That's not a slam dunk. But sometimes it's easier to piggyback on something that already exists than to create something from scratch.
0: Sure yeah I mean does that kind of a segue into the the third thing we discussed before about uh kind of proactively doing outreach and and taking the first step kind of extending the hand
1: yeah listen there's there's a thing that I think a lot of people don't really think about with social media, which is you know organically, it's great when our social media presence grows organically, right? That we, we put some little gems out there, right? And maybe we even automate those. And then people start to like them and they start to talk about them and things grow. You know, that's organic and that feels great. But what you can do to juice the organic is you can start to proactively go out and find your own audience. And, you know, the easiest way to do that um, on Twitter is to find people who are in your space and look at who's following them just like go through because chances are those are people that are interested in the same topic that you are and you can follow some of those people and when you follow them if, you know assuming they're active on that on that platform they're gonna see that you follow them and are at the very least they're gonna see your your profile or your headline Right. Again, depending on the platform. So by going out and being proactive, all of a sudden people see you. And again, you've got to be doing everything, not just following people. You have to you know, have some content out there. You have to engage with other people's content, whether that means you're sharing it or you're commenting on it and you know and you're you're reacting to your own audience that you're you're slowly building and so if you've got more time now in the current situation one of the things you can do assuming you've got the content down you've got the tone down is just spend a little bit more time on your top one or two platforms trying to find people with whom you're going to resonate
0: yeah it's it's um as you say that, I can imagine the dear listener thinking, that sounds like it will take forever. And my, and it, it really doesn't. It's, it's uh, you know, I'm going to invoke the flossing metaphor. It's one of those things that if you just do a little bit every day, it, before you know it, magic starts to happen. For, 15 minutes. Know. What's that? 15 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Right. And then the, the, <laughs> I find that I'm really good at, at maintaining those kinds of barriers with Twitter and YouTube. But I have, Instagram is so sticky <laughs> that I almost have to set a timer to be like, shut that thing off. Cause it's yeah. just like down the rabbit hole. I have to be really careful with that one. But, um, but hey, you know, find the one that works for you. And it's really just about a little bit of engagement on a regular basis. You don't need to be doing like massive posts or, you know, uh, or whatever, creating a, a 35 minute video every day. But oh God, just, no. Yeah. But I would go in. So, so I would find uh, sort of like lost time when I could do this stuff. So for example, uh, when I was doing, for a while I did a YouTube channel experiment, I was doing three videos a, a week for, I don't know, a few months. And I would record the videos and while I would export them, it took time to export them and I had my little SOP for, you know, video day. While the videos were exporting, I would go to YouTube and answer the comments on the existing videos. So, you know, for the 10 or 15 minutes that it took to export the videos, I was engaging with the people who had made comments on the last video. Mm -hmm. So it's like a, it was lost time anyway. And I probably would have just like, I don't know.
1: Opened your Instagram and looked at pictures.
0: Yeah, or like read email or, you know, that wasn't that important. Mm -hmm. So I just built it into my schedule when, you know, my computer was tied up doing something else. I could just go on there and engage with people, even if it was just to like say thanks for commenting or whatever, just so they they know I saw it. Mm -hmm. And and I don't know, side note. I didn't have, you know, knock on wood, I didn't have any... I was afraid, like, the comments would be... uh, YouTube comments are, like, famously bad. You know, like, real... Mean. Real mean. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't think I had one. Not one. Literally not a single one. I think it's all about the tone you set and the people you're attracting. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if you've got, like, little kid gamers or something or, like, mean old drunks, I suppose they're (laughs) going to be uh, themselves in your comments. But, um, you know, it's... I don't know. It just, it just occurred to me since I was talking about it, that some people fear that, you know, they just shut comments off or something like that. I think that would be a mistake to not have comments on at all, at least at first.
1: Yeah. I mean, the people listening to this podcast are not snarky, you know, or mean old drunks. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you, you get who you attract what you put out.
0: Yeah. I think that has a lot to do with it. I think I, I, I'm sure of it. Well, you know, okay. there's
1: there's a, there's a thing that I just want to mention that might be helpful for people, and I can almost hear some people go, I don't want to do that, right. is you can create, I call it a social media playbook, and it's really short, but what it is, is as you start to experiment with social media, writing it down makes a big difference. And so the social media playbook says, you know, here are the platforms I'm on, um, here's, uh, here's why I'm on them. Here are the soundbite kinds of messages that, you know, like five to 10 messages that I want to consistently uh, hammer on. And not those words, but the idea behind the messages. Here are the accounts that I want to watch, whether those are publications or, you know, other influencers. Um, Here's kind of the attitude, you know, sort of the brand piece. This is what I, who I want to be on this platform. And then the types of posts, that you're actually going to put. And I think what's helpful with that is because the kinds of posts are so different on some of these platforms, like what you'd post on Instagram probably isn't what you would post on LinkedIn. So you just have a few descriptors of the kinds of posts that you want to do. And the reason having this all is helpful, and it's probably not more than, you know, three pages tops, unless you get fancy, is that one, it keeps you really focused when you're there on what it is you, you want to share. So, for example, if you see some political thing that drives you, you know, batshit crazy, <laughs> um, you don't have to comment on it. I mean, you might decide that you want to, but you, you're sticking to your lane, if you will. Um, you know, you're looking at this strategically and over the long haul. Um, the other thing it does for you, if you get really specific, is it allows you to hand it off at some point so when you, you you know your business is going enough that you say you know what i i want to write content but i don't really want to worry about where it gets posted and when by creating this playbook you have the ability to hand it off to like a, a virtual assistant or you know some kind of a marketing um, junior person who can who can take this and run with it
0: mm. yeah that's good stuff i love that Like that was a a great little in the show notes i'm gonna or we should i don't know if you have like a link to it but i like that little social media playbook concept with the bullet points that you listed out was that was really uh comprehensive and i think a good way to think about it without getting overwhelmed i love that that was really good
1: well maybe there'll be a post by the time this is posted on that
0: (laughs) be a good email for someone to write
1: yeah yeah i think it would
0: uh, great. Well, that's a perfect note to leave it on. Did we, uh, did we forget anything? Anything else? I,
1: I, I think it's more just in terms of a wrap up. I mean, I really feel that people are going to remember what we did now. Mm-hmm. Right? And they might not remember exactly what we did, but they know that we were there or that we slithered away. <laughs> right. We are either visible or we weren't. And I think, you know, we need to be visible, ideally in ways that, you know, match your brand and, and your point of view and your ideas. But, you know, the important thing is to, is to be there, you know, to participate in this.
0: Lifelong memories are being made right now. Yeah. You know, wouldn't you rather be in them in a positive way than not?
1: Yeah, I want to.
0: Yep. All right, cool. Well, we can leave it there. That's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark.
1: And I'm Rochelle Moulton.
0: And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority.
1: Bye. Bye-bye.